I'm excited today as we continue the, the study through Ephesians, and it seems like every week there's a portion that connects with someone, or maybe like you felt like I have every week, it's like, man, I'm just preaching right at myself. It's like, and today's one of those times that we get to jump in and see a passage of scripture that I think will apply to every single person at one time or another uh, in your life. Definitely it'll apply to you if you're an adult, it'll apply to you if you're in the workforce. And so today's message um, leaves no one to say, well, I'm glad that message was for him and I'm glad they showed up and it'll be a message that all of us can apply. I also like to say I had a lot of our South Bend people with us, see the Bouchers and the Schmitz and see the Williams. Good to have you guys with us today. We welcome them with us today from South Bend, Mishawaka. It's great having them with us too. It's also good to have my dad from Hagerstown, Maryland here. I'm glad to see you, dad. Good to have you here today too. Thinking about work, we're going to look today and, and, and take a quick look at what Paul has to say about what is a godly work ethic and how that should play out in our lives and what that should look like. And as we jump into this passage today, you're going to see words that we don't necessarily use in our terminology or in our, in our vocabulary this, in our lives today. It's words that we think about during a certain period of time. But when this book was written, this letter was written to, to the Roman world and to the church at Ephesus, when they read this, these words meant something different than they mean today. Slavery, masters, those are words that we're very familiar with in, in our world. But even back during the first century when they received this letter, there were slaves in our world. In fact, during Paul's time, one-third of the Roman world were slaves. And so when he wrote this letter to them, to the church at Ephesus, he spoke to one-third of the people who received that. It wasn't uncommon during this time for there to be slaves and slave masters. In fact, if you were in a local church during that time like Ephesus, it wouldn't be uncommon for them to have a board meeting, an elder meeting, where there would be slaves that were slaves when they left there that were elders and deacons and those that were free that were on this board. Their opinion mattered just the same. One wasn't looked down any more than the other. And when they brought what they had to think regarding a situation in the church, the Holy Spirit lived in them. And so slave men and free men sat at the same table and they, they pushed the church forward. And so Paul was reading this letter, having this letter read that he wrote, and there were slaves amongst the church at Ephesus. He had a good word for them. Most slaves during this time were, were free by the time they were 30. Now, slavery was different than we know it, the injustice that we've seen in our world, in our world. But slavery was often brought upon people during this time to pay back a debt. There was a debt that they owed, and so they went and worked for a master. Slaves would be under them, and so those would be their masters. So there's this, this word usage that we see that we're not familiar with in our world. But if we jump into the modern vernacular of today, we use the word boss, employer, and employee. We see the master-servant level played out in our world today that way. We have people who are in charge. We work for them. We have to do what they want, and they pay us. Similar kind of connection. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at what the Word of God says regarding employer, employee. I would never compare employee, employers to what we saw the injustice in our world and the slavery we saw in our world. Incredible injustices. But what I will approach today is saying, what is our responsibilities as an employee to an employer? So some of you are business owners in this room. 
Some of you are employees of business owners. And so there would be a hard word for you that Paul would have given. And so, in fact, when you hear this today, some of you say, well, as a business owner, you're going to be saying, yeah, praise God for that. And then when we get to the end, the employee is going to say, yeah, praise God for that. There's this truth, this twofold truth that we have responsibility. I'm going to put on an outfit today, a uniform, and I won't say anything. And I want, to, want you to tell me what comes to mind when you see me in this outfit. Now, don't speak it out loud, but uh, what comes to mind? Now, let me ask you what comes to mind if there were three or four other guys with me. Somewhere along the line, somewhere along the road, this terminology, this picture brought up a jargon or terminology that we use today. Whether it's just or unjust, whether it's right or wrong, this picture, this is what we say or we think when someone's not doing their job. Somewhere along the line, I don't know if it's an urban legend or if it's a myth or what it is, but somewhere along the line, either improperly or properly, this is what we think when we think of someone who's not working very hard. So the question we have today, and the question you're going to ask yourself today is this, what kind of work ethic do you have? What is a godly work ethic? And Paul is going to show us in his word today what a godly work ethic will look like. I want you to grab your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 9. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5 through 9. Turn there, and when you find that, stand up and we'll read it together. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Let's read this together. Read it with me. Ready? Read. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. You may have a seat. This passage is is going to give us some threads, and it already gives us threads of truth regarding a godly work ethic. And so we're going to look at these threads of truth that that Paul has has given, and we're going to to flesh them out. And, And so first he tells us this, that we should work with respect and sincerity of heart. A sincerity of our heart, that somehow when we punch in, to wherever that is, wherever you go to work, wherever you call your place of employment, Paul encourages us, and the Holy Spirit does too, to have a sincere heart and, and to work with respect. That statement is so very good to hear. And it pierces the darkness of our workplace today as we prepare to punch in. You punch in, whatever that is, if it's tonight, this afternoon, tomorrow morning, this week, you punch in, I'm gonna do this with a sincere heart, and I'm going to give respect to my employer and employee, and I'm going to give my best because I go to work, literally. This is the thought here. We're working as if we're working for Jesus. Jesus is our boss. Now, that person that might 
sign your paycheck, that person that might be your physical boss, vicariously through him or through her, the boss that you have is Jesus Christ. So when you punch in tonight, tomorrow morning, whenever that is, you're punching in for Jesus and you're ultimately working for Jesus Christ. That's the picture that Paul gives us here. And here's how we do that. Our boss, in a vicarious way, we need to picture is Jesus Christ. So it matters not who your earthly boss is or how you want to feel about him right now or her right now. It doesn't matter. We're supposed to obey and work as if we're working for Jesus. That changes everything, by the way. Paul says, do this respect and sincerity of heart. That means you do not say anything disparagingly about your boss. That means when someone walks into the marketplace that you're working in or the workplace that you're in and they want to conjure up something about your boss or your employer, that means you don't join in. You are there to build them up. You are there to encourage them. You're not there to tear them down. And it doesn't matter how horrible you think your boss is. It means you pray for them. You give your absolute best. You work hard because you're ultimately, your boss is Jesus Christ. So when you punch in, you say, this is for Jesus and I'm giving him everything I have. You should work in such a way, I'm convinced of this, that your bosses and your employer's business flourishes. You should work in such a way that if you gave everything you had and you took the skills and the abilities and the unfair advantage of the Holy Spirit, that that marketplace that you're in, that your employer's business would flourish because you're doing it for God and you want everything you do to be the best that you can do it. That's the picture that's here. So if you're on an assembly line, your responsibility is to give everything you have so that your boss's business flourishes. If you're a stay-at-home mom, You're supposed to give everything you have because your ultimate boss is Jesus Christ. If you have to work three part-time jobs to make it and all those bosses you have, the only one boss is Jesus Christ. You give everything you have. Work to make your boss rich and successful because our ultimate boss is Jesus Christ. Our ultimate employer is Jesus Christ. You say, well, give me some examples of that. Let me give you, there's a lot of examples in scripture. Think of Joseph, for instance. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He had a master. Joseph could have went in there. He could have been dragging his feet, saying, I'm bitter, I'm mad, I'm resentful, I'm angry. He could have. He could have chosen to say, I got the, the, I got the worst hand ever dealt to an individual. He could have went in there and he could have just whined and griped. But you know what he did? He went into every environment, even prison, Potiphar's house, and he worked hard. He worked as if he was working for Yahweh and God. And you know what began to happen? Everything that Joseph touched, every place that he went, he got promoted. And even not only were there times when he was falsely accused of doing things, like sexually attacked attacking Potiphar's wife and he got thrown into prison, he continued to say, I'm working for God and not for man. And it's the Joseph principle. Joseph principle is common in the workplace today. Everywhere Joseph went, the business boomed. The business flourished because he had the attitude, I'm not working for him or her, I'm working for Jesus Christ. And in doing so, he never let his attitude destroy the work environment. Think about the end of his life. His brothers came back to him who had sold him into slavery. 
He had the chance because he was faithful and worked for God the whole way through. When he got to the end of the life, famine came into the land. He had reserves. He fed his family. He gave them land. He was rich. He blessed them and he blessed everyone. If he would have ever bailed out and said, this job sucks, you know what would have happened? No one would have been blessed and God's name would have been dishonored. Joseph is a great example of walking into a hard situation and working as if you're working for the Lord. Paul also said this to the church in Colossians. It's interesting that he said the same thing to the church at Ephesians and the same thing to the church in Colossians, the Colossian people, because there must have been the same rippling effect that can happen in any community where people begin to complain and gripe. Can't stand where I work. They should do more of this. Why didn't you give me that? How come I haven't been promoted? How come she did this? How come that? Same things have been going on for years and years and Paul's spoken to that and he's gonna speak into it today, hopefully through his word. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if you're working for the Lord. That means your boss is Jesus Christ, no matter if you're picking beans or drilling wells. Ultimately, it's Jesus Christ. That means do whatever you do for the Lord if you're changing oil in your vehicle. Does, it means if you're studying for an exam, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That means if you're cooking supper or breakfast or, or lunch, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That means if you're being a dad or a mom, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That means if you're shooting a free throw, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Lord, work hard before you get to that free throw line. That means if you're taking out the garbage for the sixth straight night, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That's the picture. That means if you're changing a poopy diaper and he won't do it, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That's the picture. God is your boss. That means if you're drilling holes all day long on the assembly line, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That means if you're making pizzas all day long, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That means if you're giving a speech in high school, you do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That means if you're tackling a full back out of the you do it in Jesus' name. That's the picture. Do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That means if you're shoveling snow after the fourth snowstorm has come through your community and all you have is a shovel and the neighbor's got that big snow blower, he doesn't come over and help. Do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That's the picture. Because ultimately, your God is your boss. That means if you're vacuuming fuzz balls off of the carpet on the stairway to the basement, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That's the picture. That means if you're scraping paint from a rusty hinge, mowing the grass, feeding your animals, or preaching at Grace Community Church, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Serious. If we get a hold of this, we could revolutionize the workplace. What if every attender of Grace Community Church said, tomorrow, I'm going in and I'm punching in. And when I punch out at the end of the week, I'm doing it as if I'm doing it for the Lord. And I'm telling my attitude that. I'm telling my actions that. You want to see a revolution take place in the marketplace? It begins there with us one by one saying, that's my boss. And I'm giving everything I have. And I'm quit, I will quit griping and complaining and just do it as if I'm doing it for the Lord. See, that would make a difference. That would stand out. Give it your very best, Paul says. You see, whatever we do, we're doing it as if we're doing it for the Lord. It changes the seemingly mundane things that you call work. And it makes it seem worthwhile because you're doing it for God. 
Now, that's legacy, by the way. That's a godly work ethic. That'll gain the attention of your workmates, of your bosses, of your community. That'll gain the attention of a look-at-me world. It will stand out to God. I saw a man this week. I buried a man this week that was my age. And I watched people one by one come to the microphone, including his own sons. Come up and share stories about this man. And I saw this man's legacy of, of a hard worker giving everything he had. I saw these people sharing what he had invested in their lives. And I saw, man, there is a person who gave everything they had as if they were doing it for the Lord. I'm convinced the reason we don't is this. Many of us are waiting for the next bigger thing. More life-changing thing. That somehow we think that the position that we're in is just like temporary. And so we treat it as temporary and we don't give our best. I'm only going to be here for six weeks and I'm only going to be here for as long as I can get that job or that job or that place or buy that business or do this business. And so we, we kind of treat it as temporary. And so we don't give everything. We just temporarily, we only give a portion of ourselves because we don't like where we're at. We think we should be over there. And so, but God is saying, wherever you're at, no matter where the condition and how temporary it is, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Give your very best. That means be the best dad and mom the world has ever seen. Be the best shoe salesman the world has ever seen. Be the best janitor, the best greeter, the best runner, the best P90Xer or whatever it is. That guy that leads those, that guy does it as if he's doing it for the Lord, doesn't he? Give your best now, not later. See, some of you are like, well, I can't give everything. I'm not going to give everything here. Why would I give everything here? I'm not even going to be here this long. Listen to me. You wake up and you punch in. You're punching in for Jesus Christ. Give him your best all the time. It will get noticed. There's nothing more disgusting in my eyes than a lazy worker who calls themselves a follower of Christ. There's nothing more disgusting than a person who is in, thinks they're entitled to a whole bunch of stuff because of their name or because of a title in front of them or behind them. And they think, well, I'm entitled to this, so I deserve it. There's nothing, look at Proverbs. Proverbs talks about lazy people, people who, 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 who don't work hard. You see what happens to them. Even God himself has a lot to say about people who are lazy. When your name is brought up in the workplace, what comes to mind? Ask yourself that question. When your name is brought up wherever you work, what does your boss, earthly boss think? What do your coworkers think? Are you a person who builds up? Are you a person who gives 110% even if the person beside you makes more than you and you know you're a better worker and you produce more and some reason they don't get as much and you're carrying their load? Listen to me, a Christ follower doesn't care about that because you're working for God. That's what Paul is saying here. Your legacy is in the daily routine of life. Besides, doesn't Jesus tell us in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little will also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. You are given responsibility and accountability based upon how you did in the small things how you did with that part-time job, how you did with that temporary job, how you did when that time when you were between jobs. God values and measures all those things. Then Paul says this, not only do it with sincerity of heart, 
He says this, look on. He says, obey them not only in verse six, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your what? Hearts. Work hard all the time. Not only when your boss comes in. Here comes the boss. Everyone hurry up quickly. Let's get production up. He's off today. He's out playing golf and you slouch off. No, the picture is not to win his favor when he sees you, Truth be known, church, God always sees you. And you want the favor of God on your life, then you must work hard in all circumstances. Work hard not only when the boss's eye is on you, work hard when everyone else wants to slack off because the boss is not in. No matter what other people do, do you give all. You don't steal or take from your boss. You don't use company time to to, to screen through Facebook or the internet unless you have permission. You don't take advantage of your position because you've been there a while. You work hard all the time. Not here comes the boss or when the teacher leaves the classroom. Seriously, think about students that are in this room. How about when you have a substitute teacher? You're like, all right, substitute teacher, we just blow this day off. What would happen to all the substitute teachers that walked in the rooms and they saw these eager students sitting there, teach us, teach us, teach us. I mean, that would gain the attention of a substitute teacher. That child is different. That person is different. That means you work hard even if the substitute teacher is there. It begins in the classroom too also, students, if you're a student. It doesn't mean that you have a, an exam coming up or you have a project that you just, you spend all your time Facebooking and texting and then you show up the next morning and hope you do really well in the exam. Or you sit beside that person because, boy, he's really smart. Or, boy, she's really smart. And you get close enough because you didn't put the time in so that you can see and you can cheat off of that person and you write down their answers because you know you wrote down their answers. They're going to be a lot better than your answers. And so you look really good. Listen, if you cheat in the classroom, you will continue to cheat the rest of your life and you will not have the blessing of God on your life. It begins in the classroom too. It means you give everything you possibly can all the time. But that's not easy, is it? It's not easy when you're in a negative, gossiping environment. And if you allow it, that stuff begins to seep into your pores because everyone hates the world and they hate their employers and they hate their supervisors and they hate everything around them. And you've got to sit down or stand beside them and work. And all day long, that negativism is around you. And the word of God says, stand above it, stand out, fight back, encourage, lift up. I've watched this happen in many, 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 many environments. Work environments, athletic environments. I've seen where one kid begins to say how horrible the coach is. He just says, well, the coach is horrible. I can't believe he's got us doing this, and I can't believe she's got us doing that, and I can't believe that, that I'm not playing, and I can't believe he should be playing. And so this negative spirit begins. You know where they normally get it? They normally get it from the parents sitting in the stands saying the same thing. Have you ever been in sports games? As parents, and they holler out there, man, I can't believe the coach is doing that. Well, can you believe he did that? Well, my kids, you get more playing time. I can't believe he didn't get more playing time. And if you begin to speak that stuff and take it home, guess what happens to junior assists? They take it to the practice court. Listen, as, as athletic team members, students, and, and people who are involved in extracurricular activities, be the person who stands above that. Give everything you have, and don't join in on that junk. Parents, 
Good call for you too. Don't be the parent who is known in the stands as screaming and yelling at the coach or the refs. One kid can be poison for a team. Even if he thinks the whole coach is horrible, even if the coach does make mistakes, listen, you're supposed to give your absolute best to them. Recently, my son, one of the coaches that he had in high school, retired from coaching. And so I felt led to send him an email and just thank him. So I found his email address and sent him an email and I said something like this. Thank you for investing in my son. Thank you for giving your time, pouring into my son's life. Then I said something, thanks, thanks for investing over almost 30 years. I said, the world is a better place because of your investment in young men. And I said, thank you. And I said something along the lines, I said, no, it's tough when you're the leader and you're on top. You normally get a lot of hits, but I just wanted to let you know there's a parent out there that really appreciated what you did. It's amazing the response I get back from this coach. Responded back and he said something like this. Said some nice thing and he said, that's the nicest email I've received in 30 years. 30 years? Man, what's that say about the, the body of Christ? What's it say about us? Are we just fault finders and, and nitpickers and critics and we can't take time to encourage someone? We gotta give our best. We gotta be the ones that shine and rise above in the workplace and the school systems. Remember when I graduated from college and Anna and I got married, uh, she had a business administration degree at Grace and she got a job at Jamison Door Company as an estimator. It was a great job that she had math skills and estimating the cost. And, and so I decided to go into carpentry. And so by God's grace, I was able to connect with the elite builder in Hagerstown, which was called Quality Homes. And so I was a greenhorn thumb carpenter. And so, but I had some mechanical background and, and spent a lot of time as a kid building and putting things together. And, and so I got hired and, and so I went to this job and I wanted to be the best carpenter that I could possibly be. So I got hired in. And so one of the things I initially did when I went there, I went and took out books from the library on how to, to read blueprints and how to, to use a framing square and how to build and how to and how to. And so I would go to work and they were teaching me. And on the side, I was learning how to be. I wanted to know why things were built. I want to know how you put them together and how that house came to be. And so on the side, I'm doing this and, and I'm learning and I would ask questions. They would build stuff and I'd say, but why? Why, why does that work that way? Why? And it was more than, I, I wanted to be more than the guy that nailed the walls together for 15 or 20 years. I wanted to be the person who understood why. And an interesting dynamic happened and I was, by God's grace, I had some just incredible carpenters around me that were willing to pour into my life. For about six months, uh, I got promoted to a supervisor position. At the same time, another guy came in who had 13 years experience and he had carpentry background. He hated me. He said, you shouldn't be a carpenter. You shouldn't be a foreman. You shouldn't be a supervisor. And so everything I did wrong, and I made tons of mistakes. The boss would come on and he'd point out, see what Jim did there? 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 He hated me. And the reason he hated me is because I wanted to be a learner because I wanted to grow and I wanted to do my best. And I would come in, I have a good attitude and I would thank the boss and I would try to encourage employees around me. And I was hungry to learn and hungry to grow. He hated me. And he began to just be one of my greatest enemies. And I remember what happened in the dynamic that took place at this place I was working. 
I got sent out on a job as the boss and he came along as my helper. I never forget that moment because in my mind, I wanted to love on him and care for him. And this interesting dynamic took place through the years, finally, where only by God's grace, he finally got to see that I wasn't doing it for myself, but I was doing it for my God. I'll never forget the time that this person visited Hagerstown Independent Church. But I was doing it for the glory of God because God is my boss. Let me ask you, what kind of effort do you give in the workplace? Are you learning on the side so you can become the best and make that business successful? Are you doing the hard stuff and then your boss can notice and says, man, not only are you doing this, but you're giving everything. I appreciate that. And then that gives him grounds to come to you and say, what's different about you? And you can say, I just love Jesus and I'm working for Jesus in case you didn't know. What could happen in the workplace if we took that kind of spirit there? Paul says, work hard all the time. Besides, Shouldn't not Christians be the most creative, brightest, strongest, hardest working people in the workplace? Seriously, shouldn't we be? We have an unfair advantage with the Holy Spirit. We should be creative and bright and and we we should recognize that we're punching in for Jesus and, and we should stand out and stand above. Truth be told, God sees you and he longs for his kids to be those kind of employees. It's a character issue. By the way, don't waste your talent either. Frequently, I'll see this happen. I'll see someone who's given an unusual talent from God, a skill or ability. And, and so they just, they just use it, but they never build on it. They never hone it. And so they show up and extemporaneously do this skill or craft that they've been doing for 30 years. And they hardly have to prepare for whatever they're doing. They'll show up and paint. They'll show up and build something. They'll show up and sing. They'll show up and, 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 and preach. They'll show up and, and, and be a company owner. Yet, yet they continue to rely on their talent and they never sharpen and hone their skills. They don't work hard. And what happens is they just rely upon this. And sooner or later, they don't build it and lead it. And what happens is that talent dries up because they haven't been pouring into it and making it fresh and asking the Holy Spirit to give creativity. Nothing worse than seeing someone waste their talent. Doing the will of God from your heart, Paul says. Besides, I'm also aware of this. There are some jobs that aren't ideal. I watch Discovery Channel. But that's why it's called work, isn't it? Seriously, isn't that why it's called work? And that's why they pay you to do it, because it's work. We don't work because we're addicted to drilling holes or welding or filing papers or changing diapers or typing. Besides, we don't get paid to eat rise and roll donuts every day because everyone would sign up for that. Seriously, wouldn't you? It's called work because it's work. Being a Christ follower isn't supposed to make it easy either. But there's a great responsibility and accountability for calling ourselves followers of Christ and bearing the name of Jesus Christ in the workplace. Just another side thought here. Some of you are still looking for that perfect job or that perfect pay and refuse to work until you get that. Well, I'm not giving everything. I'm not wasting my talent here and helping this place out because I'm not getting paid enough. Listen to me, give everything you have to make even that temporary position flourish. Be the best dads and moms and employees the world has ever seen. By the way, do you think 
Carrying a cross and sleeping in a desert was the perfect job for Jesus Christ? Do you think he said, woo, woke up every morning, getting close to Gethsemane, woo, I get to go to work today. When I read in my Bible, he sweated tears of blood. But he never backed out. He never walked away. He did it all for his father's glory. And that's the same spirit that we need to take. Even when you don't love your boss, even when he or she is not a good boss, even when your job sucks, give it all for the glory of God. Work is a gift from God. It's part of the devotion to our Lord. Then he says this. He says in verse seven, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. So, okay, Paul, you've already said this. Here's another way to say it. The word wholeheartedly is without reserve, without reservation, holding nothing back. That means we work with no conditions. I'm only gonna work this hard if he makes sure he gives me three weeks vacation, 74 off days, and I get, get to travel here whenever I want or and I get this pay. No, there's no conditions without reservations, without, without reserve. You give everything because ultimately you're working for God. You were hired to do your very best. I don't know what everyone's doing here, but you were hired to give your very best. Never withhold your best from the workplace. Even if you do not ever get any credit on this side of heaven, even if you're the reason your company is flourishing and you know it. Listen, if you know it, God knows it. That's good enough. Even if you don't get the pay at the moment that you think you should get because you're doing twice a two man's work, even if they cut your pay, it doesn't determine how hard you work. Because there will be a day, church, hear me, that you'll get proper recognition and you'll stand before the creator God and he'll say, well done. Well done, well done. You see, a lot of the workplace, I believe, has lost the phrase that we used to say, good old American pride. Like, you know, it used to be that people would go to work and they would work hard and, and they'd get an honest wage. We hardly even say that terminology anymore. And there was loyalty to businesses and it's not even a word we use. Everyone wants to bump up and move up and I deserve that and I deserve that. You know what it is? You know what's missing? You know what American pride is? It's called work ethic. And we can change that in our world. Even if you have a terrible boss, horrible work conditions, you rise above and give your best. You don't get bitter and resentful about it you punch in and say, God, this is for you today. And that might be the only thing that gets you through that day. Remember at Grace College, I worked grounds and uh, one of my responsibilities was to mow grass and plow snow. And um, so I got to drive backhoes and dump trucks. And, and uh, one of the things we had to do one summer between my uh, first and second year there, I, we were asked to repave or reseal all the parking lots at Grace College. Now, that's an arduous task for three people, especially when the equipment that we had, we had these squeegees that were this long and we had three individuals. And, and, and so we had this old converted uh, tank, oil tank that was, was converted and put on wheels and the tires were flat half of the time. And so we drive it to this place, pulled it with this 74 truck that ran on four cylinders and we, it was in V8. And we got down and we put this ceiling in there and we dragged it away and as we pull away, it would leak. And so they gave us this task, me and two of my other buddies, we had to repave all the parking lots at Grace College. Man, I was so excited. I woke up, man, I dreamt about that job. 
It was just awesome. So my first day on the job, remember, we had to wear long jeans and we couldn't wear cutoff shirts or tank tops and we had to wear short sleeve shirts. And, and I remember my first day on the job, it was 784 degrees. It was perfect work conditions. It just was. But I remember sitting with my buddies and saying, let's just do this. We can do this. So we went out and we resealed every parking lot at Grace College. And I'll never forget, we, we took the, the yellow marking paint can and we, we, we painted the, the lines and we got done. It looked great. And, and our clothes were soiled and our room jeans and our room shirts. And I did it for minimum wage. But let me tell you, I didn't do it because it was a great job and that I dreamt about it and punched in early every day and couldn't wait to, didn't want to leave. I did it because I was doing it for the Lord. You see, it doesn't matter what you're doing. We're supposed to work hard no matter what we're doing. Because the real reward will come. Look what Paul says next. Look what he says, because verse eight, you know that the Lord will what? What's the word? Reward how many people? Everyone for whatever what? Good he does, whether he is slave or free. It might mean that a promotion or a pay raise will never come but you'll get a well done from Jesus. It might mean a starting position on the basketball team will never come your way, but you're working the hardest in the practices. It might mean that no coach will ever see the true talent you have because of a political decision, but you're given everything you got when they put you in there. You're doing as if you're doing it for the Lord. Let me say this as a reminder. In a world that constantly parades around the accomplishments of men, God's rewards will far outweigh any blue ribbon that you have hanging in your room. Your life and the way you live it has a chance to point people to Jesus Christ. Be different, Paul is saying. Stand above, stand out. When we don't, we're seeking the applause of the wrong boss. Sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, every boss employer is like, woo, let's stop there, Pastor Jim. Woo, can't wait to go in tomorrow. Can I just have like 10 copies of that? In fact, I need 150 copies. Can we just play it all day long at the workplace? We're taking a break tomorrow for an hour. Everyone, listen. So while they were there, all the business owners were like, woo, go, Paul. And then Paul says, hold on. Look what he says. Verse nine, and masters, business owners, treat your slaves in the same what? Way. Do not what? What's it say? Threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no what with him. Favoritism. Paul shifts from employee to employer. If you're a Christian business owner or a boss or one who's in charge, he gives us some advice. Do not threaten them, he says. It's not, if you, don't, if you do, don't do it my way, then that's the highway. Or if you don't do it this way, then you're not getting that raise. And if you don't do it, it's like you manipulate and control them in this environment of fear. Listen, if your workplace is an environment of fear, that w- they will never flourish. If your workplace is an environment where, where you're constantly hoarding over them and you're, and you're beating and trying to get, and, and hitting them and never lifting them up and praising them. If you're not that kind of an employer who pulls out the best in them by loving them and being generous to them and being kind to them and praying for them, then you're not doing what God wants you to do. 
It means, here's what that means, business owner. It means wherever your business is, you take the names of all your employees and you pray for their families and you pray for their kids and you stand at the corners of the property of that business each week and you say, Satan, you be held back. Satan, you don't belong here. And it means you protect and provide and you love on those people. And it means every once in a while, you put the gloves on, you get out on the assembly line and you let them know you appreciate what they're doing. That's the picture of a Christian business owner. It's not sitting in your high tower with your nice title and earning all this money off of people who are, who are sweating blood and tears for you. It means you get out there and you're one of them and you realize at the end of the day, you take your clothes off and put clothes on in the morning just like you do, they do. And by God's grace, you're a born again believer and praise God for that. No favoritism. You're equal. And by God's grace, he's put you in charge of some precious people. That's the picture. You don't threaten them. You don't hold them hostage by telling them and make them. I've seen workplaces where people are afraid to make mistakes because their bosses, soon they make a mistake, you're gone. Or you have bosses that aren't generous. They're not generous with them and they, they squeak when they walk. And these people who've given their lives to these businesses and the bosses won't be generous with them. It might mean that you cut into your profit so that you can be generous and bless them because the word of God says, he who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. So that's hard news. You treat them with dignity and respect. It might even mean this. It might mean that these these rock solid things that you've put into place, you might revisit and say, you know what? I'm gonna send you some grace. That's what it might mean. Make them believe they are valuable. Love them with the love of the Lord. Create an environment of mutual respect. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. In fact, Proverbs 3.27 says this. It says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's within your power to act. That means if you have employees that are doing just a hit it out of the ballpark kind of job. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them when it's within your power. A healthy workplace begins with how the employer treats his workers. Make it an environment that they can grow in, a greenhouse to ask questions, a greenhouse that mistakes are okay and you learn from them. Make it an environment where it's fun, faith-filled, and fellowship. Maybe you, you pull out and say, let's stop today. Let's take this, this hour and just go do this together. I just want to thank you. Make sure you honor them, maybe outside of the regular routine. Don't always make the honor based upon performance. Just honor them because they're Christ followers and they're human beings. You want to see the workplace come alive? Begin to create an environment like that where people are loved and cared for and they know that you got their back covered. Yeah. You know, I have the privilege of working in that kind of environment. And I have pastoral staff around me that love me. I love them and care for them. And I would stand in the trenches and cover their back. And at the same time, we know how to have some fun together. But we create an environment where you work hard and and, and there's an environment where you can play too. And here's why. God does not show favoritism. 
nor should we. Here's what that means. The janitor and the company owner is the same in God's eyes. The third world construction worker and the CEO on Wall Street, same in God's eyes. The man down that drives the brand new SUV and the man that drives the 150,000 mile trooper, same in God's eyes. Both are beautiful. Doesn't matter what you drive. Employers, bosses, business owners, get out in the workplace and say thanks to your employees. When's the last time you just said thank you? Thank you, thank you. Greet them when they come in, shock them. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Stop in the middle of the day, if you're able to. Stop all your machines, your business, and just say, thank you. Find out how you can pray for them. Walk with them and not above them. Treat them with something really special, out of the ordinary, the same way you would if Jesus punched in each day. Ask yourself, when they punch in, am I treating them the way Jesus would treat them? Do I, would I treat them the same if that was Jesus on the line? If that was Jesus in the workplace, would I do that for them? Extend some grace. That's what Jesus would do. A godly work ethic will revolutionize our world. God, help us today. Help us to, to understand this and and not only be challenged by it, but apply it. And God, I want to pray for different groups of people today in closing. And so if you're a business owner and you're in the link or the main, I just want you to stand. Would you just stand? Everyone else's eyes are closed. Would you just stand? I want to honor and pray for you. Would you stand? Don't be ashamed. Just stand up. If you're a business owner, stand up. God, thank you for these business owners. God, I'm so grateful they come to Grace Community. God, I ask for your unusual blessing upon their businesses. God, I pray that that you would just unload your resources from heaven upon them. I pray for creativity. I pray for ideas that have never been thought before. I pray for products produced that have never been produced. I pray for health in the workplace. I pray that you'll protect them from the enemy who wants to destroy. I pray, God, you'll be doing measurably more than they ask or imagine. I pray you'll give them great wisdom as they make business decisions. And Jesus, I pray in an unusual way for them that you would honor and bless them and put your favor upon them, God, please. Thank you for these business owners, God. Take their businesses to the next level so in turn you get the glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. If you are a homemaker, would you stand? Please stand up. If you're in the link or the main and you're a homemaker, incredible job, incredible responsibility. I wanna pray for you. God, thanks for these homemakers that are here today. Thanks, God. They work 24-7. They never punch out, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would exalt them. I pray, God, that you would give them, them, them abilities beyond what they can normally do on their own. I pray for strength and peace and courage. I pray for good health. I pray as they execute taking care of the house and all that happens as a result of that, God, that you would give them piercing wisdom in the moments that they're in. I pray for great joy. I pray, God, that for moments of refreshment. And I pray, Jesus, that you would honor them in the days ahead in ways they can't even imagine. Bless these homemakers, God. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. If you're an employee, would you stand? You're an employee of a business.
Would you stand? I want to pray, pray for all of us. God, I pray for these employees. I pray, Lord, that they would be the best employees that their companies had ever seen. I pray, God, that they would set aside anything that keeps them from giving all. I pray for great wisdom. I pray, God, that their skills and abilities would place them into positions where they can be fully used by you. I pray, God, that people will be one to Christ because of them. I pray, Jesus, that you would care for their needs. I pray, Lord, when they punch in, there would just be this unusual peace and joy they haven't experienced in a while. And Jesus, I pray that they would make a difference and that the businesses that they're connected with would flourish as a result of that, that they would have security in their jobs, God. I pray for promotions and pay raises. And God, I ask that you would bless them in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you're unemployed right now, this is the transition of life that you found yourself in. Please stand. Don't be ashamed. Just stand. This is where you're at. If you're in the link or the main, just stand up. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for employment for these precious people. I pray, God, that their resume comes to the top. I pray that jobs surface that they haven't even thought about. I pray that you will put them into positions that they can fully be used with their talents and skills. I pray that they'd be the best at what they do. I pray through word of mouth, through, through contacts, that this week new contacts would come and they would be able to go to the workplace and find employment, God. God, break through for them, please, God. Give them a job that lines best up with their abilities and may they make the businesses flourish because of their skills in the marketplace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. God, help us today. All of us bear responsibility. Help us to quit blaming someone else, blaming employees and blaming bosses and help us just take responsibility for our actions We can control our attitudes and no one else's. I pray that the marketplace comes alive with grace community people who are different, who work as if they're working for the Lord. I pray that every business connected with the grace employee would have the Joseph principle kind of people that because of their hard work and their labor of love for you, that their products, their businesses would come to the top and you would get glory, Jesus, please. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to honor someone today. Pastor Tim, did you come up here? And uh, is your family with you? Can you bring them up with you? Who's here with you? Tim is uh, obviously our campus pastor from uh, South Bend, Mishawaka. And um, one over Chloe, it's good to have you here too. It looks like Kelsey's coming too. We're excited to have them with us today, and we'd like to honor them. And just this past week, um, South Bend, as we know it, um, closed their doors as, as, as far as meeting uh, together. But like I told Tim and told others in the other services, if you look for the church at Ephesus where Paul was giving this letter to, it doesn't exist anymore. And Christ has moved on and new plants and the people were dispersed and they went out to other places and, and, other, and impacted other churches and started other churches. So Tim, we're proud, and Kelsey, we're proud of you, and Chloe too. We're proud of your, your hard work, and, and when I think about a message like this, there's no one that works harder than Pastor Tim. They don't, and, and God will reward you. I've said this already, but it's worth saying again, but when you stand before Jesus one day, there's no doubt in my mind that he's gonna say, well done, well done. Same for you, Kelsey, same for your family. When you stand there, you've given your best, and we're grateful for that. And, and as a result of that, it's not a sad story because Hundreds of lives have been changed forever, and they have been changed forever, and we recognize that today. 
And we want to honor Tim for his hard work in South Bend. And tell us some of the impact. Just, I mean, obviously, we're giving you like a couple of minutes to tell a story of five years, the impact, which has spent, I mean, thousands of people come to mind. But tell us some of the things that's happened over the last five years in South Bend. Sure. Yeah, first of all, um, to have each service, I just want to say thank you um, to Grace, um, to Jim, and uh, the elders and staff here that uh, it's been an incredible experience for us. Um, we love church here. Um, this is, uh, you know, we, Jim talks in, in this message about what is your dream job and, and where you're at to make the most of it, even if you're not there. Uh, this is it for me. Um, uh, these last five years fit my wiring and the way God made me up like nothing else. And so I'm, I'm grateful that I have this opportunity to do this, to be able to influence lives in South Bend and I believe beyond because of the investment that Grace Community Church has made um, and the, the pastors and the guys here. So what he's preaching here and encouraging even employers to do, he's done that for me. And, uh, and for that, I say thanks um, quite a bit. Man, the stories are endless. Last week we had uh, our last service and uh, we spent two and a half hours together. Uh, it wasn't our intention. I told him I wasn't going to talk very much. And I didn't. And uh, the Williams <laughs> can attest to the fact that I think I was like 10 minutes or less last week, but everyone else was sharing. And um, just the impact of what, what God has done in people's lives. You know, I've said in several of my services, I got to baptize Chloe and, and Jaden. I saw Jaden and Luke give their lives to Christ. My own family has been impacted. We are different people um, because we had the opportunity to be a part of this church and what God did. And then I look at the families that are here, Williamses and Schmitz, that... Uh, and how God has worked in them and changed them and, and the difference. You know, I think of Dave and Erica and, and a year ago when I had my health stuff. There was no family in the church that stood in the gap. From the very minute I had to go to the hospital and they took my kids out to dinner and handled the throw up of one of my sons throwing <laughs> up in their daughter's hands, literally, not to gross you out before lunch. But, uh, and, uh, it's all right, man. It's and, over now. That's right. <laughs> Too late. Uh, but and Colin, um, to, to see Colin and Clarice and, and where God has taken them in their marriage, um, and, and the sky's the limit for you guys. And, uh, and it's that way through and through, through our whole body, to hear stories of people that have given their lives to Christ, men that are leading their families, lives that are changed. And uh, one of the incredible parts of this investment is the fact that over 30 people have been baptized and over 400 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ over the last five years. And that's just incredible. That's God, awesome, God man. 400 people. Praise God for that, man. Wow. Wow. So, again, we, we say thanks. And uh, God has provided as he always does. I mean, in an economy that's pretty tough, um, in a school system that keeps losing money in South Bend schools, uh, I have a full-time job in the fall. And, uh, which is a huge blessing from God. And, uh, and Grace has been extremely generous in the way that they're taking care of us. So I have a summer to relax with my family and, and enjoy the family a little bit and reflect on what God has done and also just what the next steps are of what he wants to do through us. Tim, we're excited for you, obviously, and uh, the impact that you'll continue to have. And uh, we love you guys a lot. And that won't change how we feel. <laughs> and we gave you permission to come back and worship with us too. I mean, you don't have to stay away, holy cow. And, uh, but we'll continue to pray for you. Obviously, we're going to keep in touch. And it's going to be neat to see how God continues to use you, um, all of you. And, and then to see, it'll be fun to see how the church disperses too and how it impacts all the other churches in that area. 
Because when they get some graces, it'll change, and the DNA of Christ will definitely come to the surface. And it's exciting to think of the impact of that. That's a big impact, placing other people in other churches, too, in their communities. But we love to pray for you and uh, send you off in prayer. But I also invite the Schmitz and the Williams. Why don't you come up and join us up on stage? You faithfully serve there, too. And um, can we honor the vouchers in the South Bend Church in a special way today? Why don't you guys come on over here and stay inside the black so the other venue can see you there, the lines there. And uh, we'd love to pray for you. And we say thanks to you guys too. God bless you. And uh, um, obviously this won't be the last time that we'll um, see each other. And uh, we're grateful um, to be able to serve with you. And you really have made an incredible difference uh, in the world, not just South Bend, but in the world. And so we'd like to pray for you guys and send you off in prayer. If you're an elder, or a pastor, and you're in the link, or you're here in the main, would you join me on stage? We'd like to send uh, th- this group off with some prayers. So would you come up on stage and join me? If you're an elder, or you're a pastor uh, in this venue, or in the link, would you work your way over? And we'd like to pray for you. And Maya, I would ask you that you would send um, our dear folks off in prayer. Let's pray. God, as we stand here today, we are so thankful for the work that you accomplished through Tim and through his family and through this group uh, in South Bend, Mishawaka. And we just, we just remember today that none of that work is going to become undone. Those people will never become unbaptized. We can't, we can't negate the salvation of men, women, and children by closing the doors on a campus. The kingdom gain that has happened, it stays And, uh, Lord, because of that, we are thankful. We're thankful for the investment of emotions and energy and health and time and creativity that this group led by Pastor Tim has has put in, Lord, to your kingdom, to to raising up your name. And, um, Lord, we're thankful for the ways that you've blessed and that, God, as we stand here, Lord, we we want to uh, just ask your blessing in Jesus' name, we bless these precious friends and uh, just ask that their next steps would be guided by the Holy Spirit, that it would be a, a short journey, not a long one, until they find out what's next for them. And when they find it, they'll find a treasure. They'll say, God was, God was in this, and God was ready for what was next for us. Lord, we, just, uh, we bless these guys in Jesus' name, and we are so thankful to call them friends. And uh, we send them into their next season um, with prayers and with support and with gratitude to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. God bless you.